Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Today, the Lord has laid a word on my heart that I believe is going to be very helpful for you and it's going to require some response. I believe the most important part of a sermon or a service is the response. I truly believe that our response determines our results, that we need to respond to God. And, and at times we need to respond with responsibility. Uh, God gives us something. God promises something. Uh, we have the ability to respond, but we have the responsibility to carry that out also. And faith without works is what? It's dead, right? It just doesn't have any, won't have any effects or any fruit in it. I'm going to go back to a passage of Scripture, and then we're going to go to our text this morning. Back in Hebrews chapter 11, there's so much about faith. And perhaps if you ever want your faith encouraged, you want your faith uh, to be charged, you want it to, uh, to be lifted up, you just need something to give you a little bit of fuel to your faith, a great chapter to read is Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the chapter of faith. It's the hall of faith. It tells you of people throughout the Bible, just little uh, uh, little cliff notes of, of their life. And you can find things in an earlier part of the Bible about these people and what they did. But in verse 30, again, it says, by faith. You know, what we do, we ought to do by faith. We've had a scripture come to us in the prayer time of this week twice, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And faith is a spiritual matter. It really is a matter. It's, it has substance. It has evidence that comes out after it's used. And I want to encourage you to try to do things by faith. Matter of fact, the scripture says anything that isn't done by faith, it's sin. It may not be the gruesome sin that you think about. It may not be the disobedience. It's just, it's just the aspect of, of not being in the right place at the right time. Some things are going to happen in your life just by being in the mindset of faith, believing God. He says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. I truly believe you most likely believe, if you've been in church at any time for any season whatsoever, in the story of Jericho, the battle at Jericho. Joshua fought the battle at Jericho, right? And the walls came what? Tumbling down. We know the story. We know it. Again, we have a tendency to believe and accept what has happened. We have, we have the tendency to not believe that it can happen for us. So by faith, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Uh, you would say, no, 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 it was by the blowing of the trumpets or the shofars or the shouting of the people. No, that was the work of faith. The walls were there. They were obedient. They responded to what God told them to do, and they did what God told them to do, and it worked in a marvelous way. It says, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. We have a tendency to think that, that people like Rahab uh, they deserve to die, and they deserve to live, uh, to die a, a deserving death there. She was, uh, she was a, a, a harlot. But God loves everybody. He may not love what we do, but he loves who we are. And if we do things wrong, there's consequences. We do things right, there's promises. Amen? And what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, also of David, Samuel, the, and the prophets, 
who through faith subdued kingdoms. Did you hear that? Who through faith subdued kingdoms. Friends, our nation is, is, in, is in crisis. Crises, however you want to say it. It's, it's in dire straits. And not just our nation, but many, and many nations have been in it way before we've been in it to the degree that we're starting to experience. The violence, the hatred, the murder, scandalous activity. It's grievous. But faith can subdue nations. It worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Let me tell you how your faith can, can, can uh, uh, overcome fire and quench the violence of fire. You know, without faith and not doing things by faith, according to our kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, that if I don't put my faith in Jesus Christ, by faith you are saved, by grace through faith you are saved. I'll spend eternity in a lake of fire. But your faith can give you victory over eternal damnation and separation from God by placing your faith in him. Escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised again. I'm going to take you to one of those stories where a woman received her dead back to life. Notice here, it's not just one woman, it's women. What I like so much about this passage of scripture, it gives you some subtitle of people, doesn't tell you their story, you can find it, but then it just talks about other people. People that maybe we don't remember their names or maybe their names aren't noteworthy or maybe their names weren't even mentioned in the Bible. So what I want to say to you is all this big and good stuff and powerful stuff and miraculous stuff that God can do and that God does do, he doesn't just do it for big name people. He doesn't just do it for people that, uh, that, are, that are leaders or people that are influencers or people that, uh, that have a great pedigree of some sort or there is some incredible genealogy. He can do it for anybody. We serve a God who is not a respecter of person. The problem is we have people who don't respect God. And the best respect you could show God right now is your undivided attention to his word. When the preached word is preached, according to scripture, it has the same value and the same effect as if one of those prophets prophesied. If one of those apostles taught the word of God, it's up to us to be attentive. It's up to us to agree with the word of God, to apply our faith to the word of God, and to expect the promises of God to be fulfilled in our lives. You can turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. There's an incredible story. It's an ongoing story. It's really a brief story with major, major effects. It's the story of Elijah, the prophet Elijah. Matter of fact, this prophet Elijah, interesting enough, in chapter 17, just shows up out of nowhere. I mean, like out of nowhere. And it just literally says, and Elijah, the, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead and to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives. I mean, he just shows up. I mean, there's, there's no foretelling of him coming. He's just, he's on the scene. He just shows up, and, and God's that way. 
It represents, he's a, he's, he's a messenger of God. He's, he's an ordained prophet of God. He's a, he's a chosen vessel of God. He is representing like Jesus came to the earth and represented God in the flesh by worshiping and representing God of the spirit. Elijah is a representation of God. He's an ambassador of God. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that Elijah had the same nature as you and I. I mean, what you do that you have in your nature that you do, Elijah did that also. It would go simply to say he put on his pants one leg at a time like you do, or he put on his robe one wrap at a time. He, he, had, he had the same nature. He had the sin nature. It also tells us Jesus had the same natural being like we do. He had the same feelings. He had the same thoughts. He, and, and yet we know that Jesus lived without sin, Amen. That's one reason just to champion Jesus, just to, to, to be in awe of Jesus, because you know how easy or how difficult it is to live in the natural and how easy it is to succumb to the things of the flesh. Well, if they had the same nature as us, the Bible is trying to implore us and to imply to us that we can have the same spirit as them. The same spirit that was on Elijah is the same spirit that came from Jesus. It's the same spirit that was on Jesus. It's the same spirit that, that filled Jesus, that led Jesus, that returned Jesus in the power. Listen to me, saints. The spirit of God can make you more powerful. He, he has no intent to make you more famous. He has more intent to make you more powerful, which will bring more fame to his name. God wants to work a mighty work in our lives. Here Elijah shows up on the scene and it says, as the Lord God of Israel lives in verse one, he says, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. In other words, out of nowhere, this known name, faceless prophet shows up and tells the king, he's saying, there will not be rain on the earth nor even dew for a certain amount of time that is in the plurality of years. It's not just going to be minutes. It's not going to be days. It's going to be years. The Bible goes on to tell us it was a severe famine a severe famine that came upon the earth. Matter of fact, we find out that it was three and a half years. And we find out throughout Scripture and verification throughout Scripture, it happened exactly how Elijah said it would happen. It will not rain until I speak for it to rain. In the midst of that, after he gives this word, God tells him, he says, go hide yourself. Well, that's a, that, that seems like a fun thing to do, but the reality is it's kind of a strange thing to do because it might invoke fear or it might invoke doubt in somebody's life or it might somehow put an impression on that, hey, this guy was such a scaredy cat, he gave the word and then he ran. But God needed to keep him in hiding because it's going to get so volatile, it's going to get so, so difficult, it's going to get such a hardship, it's going to come on. People are going to want to kill him want to kill him, want to silence him, want to make him at fault. And listen, killing him won't bring the rain. But sometimes we try to kill the very thing that is connected to the promise of the thing we don't have yet. Sometimes we try to kill the messenger. Sometimes we try to kill the message. Sometimes we try to kill ourselves. Sometimes we try to kill the promises. Sometimes we try to kill the prophecies because it's getting too difficult. Don't kill the thing that is connected to the promise 
to give you your reward. So he runs to hide. God tells me, he said, look, he said, I, I've provided ravens are going to feed you. He said, you go down by the brook of Kidron and there and, 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 and you'll be watered for a period of time. And so God put him in a place where he would provide for him. Let me, listen to me. No matter how hard it gets, how difficult it gets, if you're connected with God and you're right with God and you're where God wants you to be, God will provide for you. God will take care of you. Verse five, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. I want you as Christians to become much more conscientious. I want you as Christians to become much more sensitive and much more alert and aware to the instruction God gives you, not just the promise. I've come to find predominantly in prophecies. There's not just a promise, but there's an instruction that gets you to that promise. I want you to live by the word of God. His word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. If you find yourself in darkness, look back and see if you followed the word. Make sure that you're walking in obedience to what God called you to be. If you find yourself in trouble, you find yourself in hardships, you find yourself in situations that seem to be ungodly, make sure that you're following the path of God. Not that he won't lead you into wildernesses. Not that he might not lead you into places, but you can have the faith to know that you're where God wants you to be. And when you're where God wants you to be, you can line, with, line up with the commandment God has for you. So he's commanding ravens to feed him. Pretty miraculous, right? And, and then he moves along and we'll find him in verse eight. And then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. And he says, it's time to get up. The brook is dried up. The season for the ravens are over. Let me say something to you. As we live as a people of God, and even though God puts a, a sense of harshness upon the land to chasten her, to correct her, uh, to draw her back to himself, it's not saying that we won't experience some sense of the difficulties, but yet God will navigate us through it. He will take care of you. He has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, go to this land, arise and go to Zarephath, and, and which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Sometimes you can just discern into the instruction of the Lord and the word of the Lord. I've provided a widow there to provide for you. He's probably realizing I might not be getting as much as the ravens brought me, but nevertheless, I'll be getting something. And that day is a very hardship as it is even today for a woman to become a widow. But in that day, more so than not, the man was the primary provider in a household. And so you now you have somebody and, and it puts him in a very humble situation that he's going to have to be dependent upon God, but it includes people. It was really nice out by the brook, especially for someone like him who's a prophet, to not have to deal with people. But now he's going to have to re-engage with people and learn to live with people and learn to engage with people and learn to recognize their strength or their God-ordained calling in their life and to realize we've got to work this thing together. Friends, when it gets difficult, we're going to have to know how to live with people and how to work with people and to recognize each other's strengths and to cover one another's weaknesses. And so he comes on the scene. He has a promise from the Lord that there's going to be a widow there. I've commanded her, that widow, that she will provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. 
Indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. God will meet you where you are if you meet him where he told you to meet him. Notice that he said, and he gave him instruction, uh, that this is a city of Sidon. He said, and it belongs to these people. And so he goes the proper way. He, he doesn't try to sneak in the back. He doesn't try to find where the widow, get the widow list out and find. He goes to the gate. He enters into the gate. And lo and behold, the servant of God, the messenger that God has commanded, that God has instructed, is right there picking up sticks. He called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Let's just stop there for a moment. This is a big ask. It's a real big ask. And let me remind you that this is not the only time in the Bible that somebody showed up in a situation that there was a woman by the provision place of, by the source of water and asked for a drink. I almost wonder sometimes that Jesus didn't study the prophets. I know he did. And study the prophets. You know what? That would be really cool. Lord, I'd like to have an experience like Elijah had. That'd be really cool to show up somewhere where there's just a lady and, and, and I'm thirsty and she's of another people and I'm of another people. We don't normally deal with the people and I could ask for a drink. I don't know. I read the Bible that way. I read the Bible, Peter walked down the road. It sure would be cool that somehow, some way, somebody would get healed in my shadow. That, you know, you can only have a shadow if you're walking in light. I don't know if you dream or if you consider or you think. That's what the Bible's meant to do. The Bible is meant to speak to you, to encourage you, to give you information so you can live this way. So this kind of stuff can happen in your life and in your home, in your finances, in your health, and your mental capacity, that these things can happen. Friends, this stuff is real. And so there he is. He calls over. Why is it a big ask? <laughs> They're in a drought. People aren't just giving water away free. People aren't just saying, hey, just go get a drink whenever you want it. And not only is it a big ass because of that, but he's the guy that brought the drought about. He's the guy that made it become what it is. They're not connected with one another. They don't have relationships and dealings with one another. She's a widow. She probably doesn't have great resources. Well, how do you know that? Because I read the Bible. I even know the end of the story, but the beginning of the story, she's picking up sticks, friends. She's out trying to gather things. They're not already provided for. She doesn't have a cord of wood at home. Things are getting difficult. Things are drying up. Things are fading away. Matter of fact, a drought. A drought is a, is a severe term or season of dryness that could speak to you spiritually, could speak to you relationally, it could speak to you in your economic life. Things are just drying up. Sales aren't like they used to be. Our conversations aren't like they used to be. My prayer life isn't like it used to be. It's drying up. A drought is a season of prolonged lack not receiving, not having the abundance or the, the flow of things in your life. They're experiencing a drought. 
He said, bring me a cup of water that I may drink. I think it's important to point out here. We know this moves into a miraculous experience for her. But the first thing God puts on her, even though she's commanded, God puts on her a request to do it. God's not just going to say, you have to do this. He puts in a situation that she can get the reward out of giving. I'm not taking up another offering so you can get off your worry horse right now. But I'm here to tell you, God is moved by giving. I'm here to tell you, we're moved when God gives to us. If we're moved when God gives to us, why would he not be moved when we give according to him? There's something about releasing. There's something about sowing. There's something about distributing. And listen to me, it could be your words. Don't wait for someone to talk to you. Talk to them. Sow that greeting. Sow that kindness. And so he says, give me, please. He says, bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. There's something about tending to others, preferring others before yourself. And as she was going to get it, I want to point out here the, the, the sensitivity, the care, the compassion, the generosity of this woman. She doesn't ask any questions. She just moves on it. I have a tendency to believe that she's a good woman. She's a caring person. Uh, she's, she's willing to meet the need of somebody else, even a stranger. Lo and behold, she probably had no idea, but we're taught in the New Testament to be, be very kind and to be very cautious with strangers because we might be entertaining an angel unaware. She had no idea that she was bringing a cup of water, which is scripture, to a prophet who was the prophet of God, who had the spirit of Elijah on him, the spirit of the living God, God's messenger, God's, God's spigot to end the drought. She's bringing a cup of water and pouring it into the vessel that's going to bring the rain from heaven. It's going to return the dew to the earth. I'm here to tell you, you don't know who you're entertaining. You don't know who you're providing for, but you need to understand you're giving sources and resources the work of God that will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together. Listen to me, not just your cup overflowing, but your flower bin and your oil jar. He can cause increase to come upon your life if you're not afraid to release from what you already have. And she was going to get it. So we see action. She's moving. How do we know it's action according to faith? Because the man of God who is carrying the plan of God, God has told him this woman's going to provide for you. He speaks into her and she acts on the word. That is faith according to the word. That is faith working out. And she starts to walk out. He sees the activity. It starts to stir something. It realizes if she'll do this, she'll probably do the next thing. I've told the story before. Can't help but to think about it right now. I'm reading in the scriptures, Isaiah 49, and the Lord's saying it's too light of a thing to raise up the tribes of Jacob, but I'm going to make you light to the Gentiles also. I'm like, Lord, so I can, I can be a preacher, and I can be with the people of God, and I can teach and train the people of God, but you also want me to go to the Gentiles? He said, you got it, son. 
Well, the big worry is, yeah, I got it, but will they get it? This is years ago. And so I'm like, Lord, just, just, well, let's walk this out. And so we're driving. We stop at a, at a convenience store on Governor's Drive and get out of the vehicle. Gretchen's going in to get something. And there's a homeless man standing by the door. And I looked at him. I said, hey, how's your, how are you? And I said, what's your name? He said, you'll never guess. I said, Jack, Bill, Tom. Nope, no, no. He said, it's in the Bible. I said, okay. Ezekiel. You know, I start going through all those Bible names. He goes, nope, 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 nope. I said, well, what is it? Just tell me what your name is. He said, I'll tell you what. If you go in the store and you get me a Baby Ruth candy bar, I will tell you what my name is. I thought, okay, it's working. So as I'm going, like the woman, as I'm going to the door, he says, hey, hey. I said, yeah. He said, get me a Pepsi too. He said, and make the Baby Ruth a king size. I know what this lady feels like. And so I go in and I get the king size baby Ruth. I get the Pepsi. I bring it out and I give it to him. And he opens it up. And he goes, I, said, I know you can't talk with your mouthful, but we have a deal here. What is your name? He goes, oh, my name's Gentile. I've called you to be a light to the Gentiles. The son, I will provide for you. I will make known to you. I will reveal myself in all the pieces of the puzzle I'm putting together. And he walked off. So as she's going, he says, could you please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand? And he realized it's just a cup of water, so she's not going to have to carry a pot. He's like, wow. And remember who's speaking through him? God. He's like, wow, she's got an extra hand. Let me ask you a question. Are both hands full? Let me ask you another question. Are both hands generous? I'll give you this, but I won't give you that. I'll commit this, but not all the way. It's not that you trust me. You may not trust me. That's fine. Nowhere in the Bible does it say trust man. It only says trust God. It doesn't say trust your spouse. It only says trust God. But you've got to learn to trust the God in man and in woman. I thought she was going to hand me a bottle of water. <laughs> She's got an extra hand. What good is an empty hand unless God puts something in it? What good is a gift if it ceases to be a gift? Having a generous spirit needs to be supported by a generous mind, a generous heart, a generous vessel. He said, would you please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand? So she said, verse 12, so she said, we can't expect too much out of her. This is all brand new to her. So she said to him, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. A God is sizing up what she doesn't have and sizing up that what she does have is she puts it in the hand that he's commanded what can come of it. Now you need to understand. You're thinking here, he's seen there. What could he make out of what you're willing to make for him? There's an old Southern gospel song, little as much when God is in it. 
She said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. I, I don't fully, I, I looked at a few commentaries and, and, and they didn't seem to have much to say about it either, but something just drops in my spirit. She doesn't know God like Elijah does. How do I know that? She says, as the Lord your God lives. She may literally be being a little bit sarcastic. I'm not sure. Maybe speaking out of frustration because there's a famine. As the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. This is, this is your God's problem. This problem is bigger than me. But I'll tell you what I do have. Talk about my hand. I've got a handful of flour in the bin, and I've got a little jar of oil. Remember, she's under the influence of God, and sometimes when you're under the influence of God, you don't know everything. You don't comprehend everything. Some things just do not make sense, but we were made to sense God. Let me ask you a question as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you sense God? Can you sense God? Do you have a sense in your spirit, man, do you have that knowing that you know? Do you have that hearing that others can't hear, but you know that voice and what he's saying? That is something to desire. That is something to, to develop in your life. You can sense God. She said only a handful of flour in a bin and a little jar, little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. She said, listen, buddy, I'm bringing you a cup of water. I don't have any bread to give you. I will tell you what I do have, but I know what I'm doing with that, and it ain't for you, it's for us. We're going to eat it, and we're going to die. That's how severe it was. Uh, that's how troubling the matter was. Can you imagine for a moment you're gathering a couple of sticks because you don't need a bunch of sticks because there's no need for the sticks after you use these sticks because this is your last meal. This is your last supper. This, this is the end of it all. And it's not just you, but your son's going to die also. And now there's some man of God now there's some representation of God that is asking you for everything that you have. Asking you for everything that you have. And anything that you do have is death to you anyway. I mean, she literally is saying that we're going to eat and we're going to die. We're going to shrivel up like the sticks I just picked up. Before long, we will, we will be dead, dried up, scorched, famined or famished to death. And Elijah said to her, notice there's some instructions. Please bring me. Can you bring me this also? He said, do not fear. Do not fear. Boy, that would be a really bold thing to say to a widow woman with a child who has a couple of sticks and has the right to your next meal. Don't fear. I would say to you in this hour, if I've ever felt an unction on my life before and to this day, I would say to you, 
do not fear. That is a command from heaven. That is instruction from God. It's not a justification. It's not an excusable. It's not an explanation. We can no longer take the tactics of the devil and defy God instead of taking the commandment of God and to defy the devil. God is not the author of confusion nor fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. And notice this. At that moment, she probably could have gotten a little uh, 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 ruffled in her feathers, a little snap in her response. She could have all of a sudden got overcome and overwhelmed with the reality of the condition that she was in. I am getting ready to die. And you're telling me, do not fear. And, and then immediately says, go and do like you said. Go and do like you said. He's getting her back on path. He's getting her back and walking in faith. Listen to me, friends. I'm here to tell you, go do like he said. Go do like you said you would do for him. Be faithful to your word so you can see the faithfulness of him to his word performed and revealed in your life. It's not time to give up. It's not time to quit. It's not time to eat your last meal. Some of you may have said, this is my last time going to church. Some of you might have said, this is my last time I'll ever say I love you. This is the last time. No, no, no. You need to pick it up and get it going again. This is the last time I'll give. This is the last time I'll believe. This is the last time I'll pray. This is the last time I'll worship. This is the last time. No, 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 no. That's a spirit of suicide, and the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. All God's asking you to do is deny yourself and trust him to fulfill, and his promises will be accomplished in your life. Does it matter if you're Elijah in the story or if you're the widow? Perhaps you're just the little boy. We don't hear much from him. We hear a lot about him. But maybe you're the next generation. And maybe God wants to perform this miracle so that, so that you have that faith when hardships comes on your generation or hardships come on. We're always saying things like this. Oh, I don't want this for my children. I don't want this for my grandchildren. Then raise them up in the way of the Lord. Teach them the word of the Lord. Teach them faith. Teach them obedience to God. And they will have God on their side. They'll have testimony and witness of his faithfulness. He said, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake first. <laughs> but make me a small cake first. I'm sure that was probably really difficult for Elijah. I don't think sometimes we stop and really consider what's going on. I mean, here's a man of God. Here's a man that, that ravens can bring him food. Here's a man that can shut the heavens. Here's a man that knows that, that, that he's going to stand before presidents and kings and, and prophesy. He, he's, he's wanted, he's desired, but yet he's also threatened. This is a man of great status looking at a widow, and he's saying, go do as you said. And he's like, oh, she's got to stay with God's plan. But make me a cake first. Sounds selfish, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, but it's not. I guarantee you, everything inside of him was saying, I don't want to say that. I can go, I can go 40 days without food. I can go 40 days without water. But he had to stay with God's plan too. He had to stay with God's plan. Do you know how many times 
Preachers stand in front of people while they're preaching or teaching the word of God, and they're like, I don't want to say that again. It might offend somebody. It might hurt somebody. But he still had to say what God said. He was keeping her on track with God. He says, but make me. And notice what he emphasizes here. First. First things first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put God first. Prioritize the things of God. If it comes to finances, you may say, I can't afford to, to tithe. You can't afford not to. It's giving to God first. It's handing over to, to the word of God, to the, to the will of God, to the plan of God, to the house of God. It's being established. It's the nature of God. He said, but make me a small cake first and bring it to me. Carry it out. Don't just make it, let it sit there and see if it'll come and be devoured and see if God will consume it. We have a tendency quite often with that. God shares something with us. God requires something of us. We start to do it, and then we back off and we see what he's going to do with it. And he says, carry it out. Finish the process. Get it to where it needs to be. He said, and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and for your son. Pardon me? You're a big man, Elijah. Uh, you, you want me to bring you a cake and there's only enough to make a cake and then you want me to make more? He's starting to prophesy, friends. He's starting to speak by faith into her faith of his faithfulness. If you do this, he's telling her in a roundabout way but in, really in a direct way saying that you'll have more after you do this. Did you hear that? I don't know who's going to walk away with this tonight or today. I don't know who's going to come and understand and say, you mean to tell me if I give God the first 10 minutes of my life that I'll have more time in my life? That's what I just told you. You mean to tell me if I have a dollar and I give God 10 cents before I give Dollar General 50 cents and Walmart 40 cents and then wonder where's my money? No, if you give God that 10%, he said there'll be more coming back to you. He'll make the stuff that you have left to last longer. I've seen it for 30-some years. He's faithful. He said, and afterward, make some for yourself and your son. He said, you give me one, you'll have enough for two. She was just going to make something for them and die, that one little portion, and share it there. But now there's going to be enough portion for her to have hers and him to have hers, his. It's starting to come back. He's starting to, he's starting to nourish the servant. He said, for thus says the Lord God of Israel. For thus says the Lord. He's the representation of God. We need to be that voice of God to our neighbors. We need to be that, that ambassador. We need to be that representative. He said, for the thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. I will maintain what you have. I will supernaturally sustain the substance of what you have through the whole course of the famine if you'll be faithful to give it. If you'll be faithful to give it to me. She could have said, well, you know, buddy, I'd, I'd like to give it to you, but there's another widow over here. I'm going to go give it to her. He said, deal's off. Plan is foiled. You give it to me first. He's a representative of God. 
He said, you'll have enough in that bin and in that jar until it rains again. Why until it rains again? Because when the rain comes, there'll be provision again. There'll be blessing again. There'll be resources again. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. So Elijah is activating and she is coordinating with the maintaining supply source for their household. She and he and her son ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. The word of God will not return void. It will accomplish and fulfill what it has been purposed to do. We need to understand that we serve and believe in a miraculous God who performs miracles still today. Jesus, in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're saying, well, where was he in the yesterday of the Bible? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He created. He manifests. He, he appeared in, in scriptures throughout the Old Testament, and then he came and lived on the earth in the New Testament. He is the bread of life. He is a river of water. He is our source and our portion. Friends, there may be famines. Uh, there may be dry spells. Uh, there may be conflicts in the earth. But I'm here to tell you, the river of heaven is still full. It, it's still rich. It's still bountiful. And it still provides. Verse 17. We'll start wrapping this up. Now it happened. Now it happened after these things. Some things are not going to happen until after some things have been done. Listen to me. Some things are not going to happen unless there's obedience to carry out those things. And after all that was done, this is what happened. And sometimes, let me just, just warn you before you go too far. Sometimes it might seem to get worse before it gets better. Oh, there's an old saying that those who have been wounded deepest can be used greatest. Some of y'all just had a revelation like, huh, God's got some great things for me, right? It happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. Why does it emphasize own the house? Why did it emphasize they own the land? He's not there just to take over. Sometimes we have to live in it. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And notice this. If you find out that the woman who owned the house, if she's the owner, she can evict. She can eject. She can, she can, she can tell you, you have to leave. So it's putting some emphasis here of the situation that's a little bit more dire than just there's something going on in the house and it's affecting a few things. This could literally make Elijah homeless. He could get evicted, ejected. Just like when hardships happen in our life, sometimes we evict Jesus. Sometimes we say, I don't believe in him anymore. I don't worship anymore. I don't pray anymore out of my life. I don't want God anymore. I don't want Jesus anymore. For a lot of people pray this week. 
And they've prayed about people who used to go to church with them, who used to attend with them, and, 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 and where they, they, they aren't in church anymore. Nobody evicted them out of the church, but they took God out of their life, took God out of their plan. Jesus said, that if you're a sheep, you're supposed to be in a fold, supposed to be in a fellowship. He said, he's coming back for the church, not for individuals. That's what he said. He's coming back for the church. It's important to be in the church. Saw a little bumper sticker years ago. It's as cheesy as Wisconsin, but nevertheless. It said, CH, blank, blank, CH. What's missing? You are. It's important to be in church. It's being in church, the, the end result. Of, listen, there's people that are in church that aren't going to heaven. There's people in church that are, that are hiding from God's conviction, from his righteousness, from his truth. There's people sitting in churches today, right now, even in this church, who don't believe in the full gospel. Don't believe in, in the work of Christ. So this woman owned the house. She became sick. The son became sick. And his sickness was so serious, so serious. You can almost see he's kind of still living, but it's, it's like it's difficult. It's like there might be troubled breathing. There might be high temperatures. There might be uh, nauseated. You know, I mean, just all these things might be swelling, infection in his body. The sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. Well, why didn't they just say he died? The boy was dead. Because I'm telling you, sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. And sometimes you have to live through the famine. Sometimes you have to live through the seriousness. Sometimes you're going to pray for the sick, and it's not going to happen. It's not going to come to pass, and you're going to have to live through this. The ultimate victory of faith is keeping the faith. It's not that God will do what you want him to do. It's that you still believe he's God even though he hasn't yet done it or you don't understand why he did it the way he did it or why he didn't do it when you wanted him to do it when it would have been best for you so you could sleep at night, so you could have your, you could have your flower burgers with the woman and the boy and you could have it happy and do good and hide out there. No, no, he's going through a difficult time. He's not just the one that sent the word. He's living through it also. It's like the man of God who was sent by God into the city. He said, don't you eat their bread and don't you drink their water. You prophesy on that altar and don't you come back the same way you came. And he started to fall into the comforts of that world. And they ended up going to the old man prophets. He didn't go to the king's house. He said no a few times and said no a few times. And then he, then he decided that there might be a better way. And he went back to the old man prophet. And you know the story possibly. Died on the side of the road died under a tree. You know why? He sat under an oak tree, which represents righteousness, and he stopped. He stopped living and being hungry for righteousness. He stopped going and going. We can't stop. We've got to stay the course. It might be getting very serious out there. It might be getting very dry around there. It may be getting very bare around there. I don't have time to tell you things that I would love to tell you. But friends, it's not getting easier out there. Matter of fact, the Bible said it's going to get worse and worse. But that's why we have to stay to the word of God. So we have to trust God's plan. 
So he's living in, a, in this house that this woman, own, woman owns and, and the boy and, and the boy it becomes so seriously sick. So there, there's a span of time. I don't know how many days. I think if it would have told us the days that we'd expect God to have it done by that day if we're going through something. But now it is so, so sick that it describes it that there is no breath left in him. No breath. Why would it say no breath? Because there's only one who can give breath. You cannot find anybody else anywhere else that could say that they created breath, that they supported breath, and that they give breath, and that they were the ones who put their breath in the nostrils of Adam. You can't find anybody anywhere. Hindu, Buddhist, I don't care who. I don't, I don't care who it is. Nobody can state the claims that our God has and holds to, and they're consistently bore witness to throughout Scripture. And that word breath is spirit. Our God is not a male or a female. He's not a man or a woman. He is spirit. He's ruach. He's breath. What they're saying to us, the season, a serious situation got so bad, there was no spirit left. Their spirit was down. They felt empty. They felt void. There was no hope. There was no life. They needed breath that only God could give. They are down to a situation. Listen, listen to me. Listen. Uh, the, the, the party of the oil and the flour is over. It's still there. But that miracle's not doing anything for this situation. You can't, you can't take flour and put a handful of flour in the mouth of a boy who's not breathing and expect him to breathe. They're right back to where they were. We need God. We're in the best place we've ever been as a nation, as a people. We need God. He had no breath left in him. Being that there was none left in him means that they tried as much as they could. But yet it still got worse and difficult, dire. So she said to Elijah, what if I'd have to do with you, O man of God? She said, did you, did you show up here to remind me of my sins? She's getting frustrated with religion. She's getting frustrated with, with the voice of God, the man of God. She's frustrated because but what he had led her into is now failing her. Have you ever found yourself frustrated with God or the representation or the, the value of God. She said, what do I have to do with you, old man of God? Have you come to bring me my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, I said, and he said to her, he didn't make excuses, explanations, reasoning he didn't start to condole her he didn't go straight into comfort but he went into action he said give him to me <laughs> he said give him to me this is what I have to say to you this morning 
I don't know what's dying in your life. I don't know what's not working in your life. I don't know what's broken in your life. I don't know what your greatest concern is in your life. I don't know what your greatest trial and tribulation is in your life. I don't know what your greatest loss in your life. I don't know what your greatest frustration in your life, but God is saying this morning, give it to me. Give it to me. Put it in my hands. Give me a shot with it. Even though it seems hopeless to you, it seems impossible to you, give it to me. Give it to me this morning. Lay it in my hands. The word of God says, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you. He's making a presentation. He's bringing a possibility. God is saying, if you give it to me, see if I can't resurrect it. He is the God of resurrection, of resurrection power. He's the God and the only one who can give breath back to this boy. So he took him out of her arms. In other words, she's somehow... She's carrying the weightiness. Remember, she's a, a widow who's only been eating flour and only been drinking water, and yet she has the strength because she loves so much, she cares so much, she's holding the boy in her arms. And she gives the child, she gives the child to Elijah. Again, he's asking, give. A cup of water, a morsel of bread. All that was just getting ready for the dead. No, no, you, you, you got to get this. Maybe your love has died. Maybe your marriage is dead. And maybe your, your health is dead. And maybe maybe it's, it's your emotions. You don't have any feelings anymore. Maybe it's your faith. I don't know what it is. The differences can be vast in here. Maybe it's that prodigal child. He said, give me a cup of water. Some people don't even start there. I ain't giving you nothing. This is mine. Give me a morsel of bread. Mm -mm. That's because that's all I have, and it's mine, and I'm going to die with it. That would kind of be like saying, give it one more shot. Give it one more effort. I wonder how many people at work, at work, you said enough's enough. I'm not getting paid enough. I'm not getting honored enough. I'm not doing this enough. Enough's enough. And you lay there and the, and, and the thing that would have made you a millionaire was your next effort. I know. Happened for Henry Ford. Go down the list of how many people is that. As it wasn't all their failures. It was that next effort. Thomas Edison. <laughs> they probably don't teach he exists either. Them light bulbs? Listen, you wouldn't have cell phones if you wouldn't have wall phones. You wouldn't have your Spotify if you didn't have first have the phonograph. Oh, we live all this stuff all the time. But we live in such convenience. Don't inconvenience me. That cup of water, that morsel of bread... Is what got her ready. Because now when he said, give her to me, listen to me. When, mm, when he said, give him to me, she started to remember. Last time I gave him something. Last time I carried out his word. The last time I responded to the word of the Lord, it happened. Things started to happen in my life. Things turned around in my life.
But some of you remember, and well, the last time I gave my faith to the Lord, things got worse. I already told you things are going to get worse before they get better. He's got to get to the bottom of the barrel. He's got to get to the empty hand. He's got to get to where you don't have anything left. No hope other than him. Last time he said, give them to me. She didn't take time to scratch her head. She remembered. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room. Carried him to the upper room. Uh, Listen. Second service starts in seven minutes. Listen. She's going through the test. If you had time to get into chapter 18, he built an altar. You know how he knew how to build an altar? Because he had an upper room. Oh, it wasn't his first prayer service. Fire fell in that room. The glory of God fell in that room. Dreams came in that room. Uh, Ravens showed up at the brook. Uh, Everything that God ever said he would do did in his life. Because he knew how to build up a prayer life, he could restore an altar for the people of God. One man. One man. One man draws all of Israel back to God. And not only draws all the Israel back, but executes, annihilates the false prophets. Cleaned house. Because he knew how to use an upper room. Some people say, what do you mean an upper room? It's, it's, it's Acts chapter 2, friends. It's where you go to prayer and you go to call upon God and you wait there until God answers. You, you lay hold of it. You stay in that place until the answer is accomplished and fulfilled. You don't hold your cup. You don't keep your flower. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, I'm giving you instruction. He cried out to the Lord and said, you can stand to your feet. Oh, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? He knew that only God could take breath. And he stretched himself out on the child three times. Give me a cup of water. Give me a morsel of bread. Give me your child. He stretched out three times. I think it is time for the church to stretch herself once more. And cried out to the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God. I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Let his vitality come back. Let his heartbeat come back. Let let his life come back into him. Put back into him what you have taken out and restore him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. He had a nature just like you and I. He had a nature just like you and I. God can hear your voice too. God is waiting to hear your voice. God is waiting for you to give up and to give over and to release and to give it to him. But he needs to hear the cry of the church once again. He needs to hear the cry of the saints once again. He needs to hear your voice. He can only respond to you according to how you bring and present yourself to him. Let this child's soul come back. Then the Lord heard the voice, and the soul of the child came back, and he revived. Could revival be at the end of our tongues? Could revival possibly be in our next breath? I sent a text to someone this morning, and I said, 
outside of a revival, America is doomed. No, I said America needs a revival. I'm not looking at the negative. I'm looking at the positive. And I said, you just need to keep being you and keep letting him be him. God wants to do a miracle in your life. God wants to restore. God is asking you this morning to give it to him. Simply, that's your altar call. If you have something to give to God this morning, I'm going to invite you to the altar. Something you care greatly about. Something you're deeply concerned about. Something you've been carrying in your heart. You've been carrying in your soul. Something that needs a miracle. Perhaps this morning you just need to bring God a cup of water. And you're saying, hey, I will serve you. Perhaps you need to bring him something of your own value, of your own worth. And just give it to him. This morning, this altar calls about giving it to him. Casting your cares upon him. Laying your burden upon him. The Lord cares about you. The Lord cares about them that are connected to you. The Lord cares about Jackson County, DeKalb County, Marshall County, and Madison County. The Lord cares about this great nation, America. Come on in, just move your way in. Y'all come in a little bit closer. Some are coming behind you. Give it to him. Believe him for a miracle. Believe him for a revival. Live the plan. Trust it. Lord, we give to you this morning that which is dead, that which is seriously sick, that which is limited in portion. We give to you, Lord, that which is in famine, that's suffering, dehydration, whether it's our marriage, whether it's our finances, whether it's our health, whether it's our dream and our vision, somebody's home, your very home is distressed right now, possibility of losing it and wouldn't have anywhere else to go, give it to them. Dedicate it to the Lord. Declare it. Let him hear your voice this morning. Invite God into your distress and your trouble. Get between it and him and give it to him. Trust him with it. Someone's about to lose their employment. It's hanging on by a thread. It could be one decision away. Give it to them. Give them that situation. As dire as the condition is, give it to them. Somebody's facing death, terminal illness, sickness. Give it to him. He's big. He's able. By faith, hand it over to him. Could be your child. 
could be a friend. Just give it to him. God said when she gave it to him, she started remembering his faithfulness, his goodness. Today the Lord puts before you that wonderful opportunity to give it to him. Somebody's here this morning. You know you haven't been given out of both hands. You know that you haven't given all yet. Make that decision. Give it all. Give it all to him. Surrender all. Lord, today we give it to you. Lord, we give you the church. And I ask that you'd revive the church. I ask you to revive the people of God. I ask that you'd restore her to her rightful position with you. I ask that you'd awaken her. I ask that you'd stir her. I ask that you would bring life to the church. Lord, we give our nation to you. We give America to you. As beautiful as she has been, Lord, as corrupt as she's becoming, as troubled as she is, Lord, I give America to you. And I ask that you'd revive her, restore her, repair her. We return to you what you gave to us. You're the creator of every living being. And this little boy ran out of breath. We give to you the breathless church, the breathless saint, and we ask that you'd breathe on your church. Put your spirit in your church. Put your spirit in your children. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the Word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we can tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.